Welcome to Watch Over, a podcast devoted to all things Arrow and Elicity. Featuring myself, Jen, aka J Buffy Angel, and me, Kelly, aka Callista Wolf. Be aware we do discuss spoilers and swear now and then, but we will always have fun and you will too. Hello, hello. How are you doing? (sighs) Well, I actually sound like a normal person today, not completely sick voice, so yay, we can podcast. You know, this cold has been really nasty. Uh, Liam came home with it on Friday, and he had to stay home from school today because he's still got this cold. Oh, poor buddy. And I've heard that, like, there's all these people, like, it's not COVID, it's not the flu, it's just it's cold. It's mm-hmm. just a shitty cold that It's really sucks. bad. <laughs> Sorry, that was my phone. <laughs> that made a sound. Yeah, so stay safe, Jen, from the evil cold that's well, the nation. I do my utmost to not see anybody um, during the winter months or interact with the public in any way, so... <laughs> It's freaking freezing here, you guys. Like, it was 20 degrees the last couple days, and I had to be outside. And I was like, what is this bullshit, Nick? I was like, it's freaking November. We don't have to put up with 20 degrees until at least December, January. I'm like, I'm not doing 20-degree winter all winter. Like, that's inhumane. So at least today it warmed up to 40, but I swear. That's just brutal. It's godforsaken state. I don't know why I'm here. I question it every time the winter comes. It makes me sad because it's so cold. But whatever. So how's it going, ladies? You know, you just reminded me. Silver is up at oh, Tahoe right. with her boyfriend this mm. week. And they came through Reno Sunday morning and we met them for breakfast. Oh, so fun. I'm and like so there's they're shivering you know and i'm like oh yeah that's right from la jam no like nobody will come visit me guys like i've offered and everyone like just even in there if it's during the winter months everyone's like no i'll come visit you yeah be like yeah i'm like i'm not expecting anyone to go outside i'm not a psycho well because i was was thinking of visiting you for miss swift coming in june but that ship sailed. Cluster. What a disaster. Like, honestly, I don't even. I mean, we knew it was going to be bad, but holy shit. But, like, this took it to another level. It will be studied <laughs> in college shit, classes to come. Shit show and clusterfuck than I have ever witnessed in my entire life. I just can't believe that Ticketmaster fucked up so badly that they sold all the tickets. Well, what I really enjoyed is all like, like, like the IT dudes who have no interest in Taylor Swift are all like backseat quarterbacking Ticketmaster. Oh, yeah. And I say this specifically about my husband. And he was like, number one, he said they should have had us enter the code before you got in the weight room. Easy. Yes. He's like, why didn't they do that? And they said, number two, they should have had a CAPTCHA. 
Like you should have had to enter in something because that is like the most effective way to avoid bots. Well, and name the freaking stop signs. Yes, exactly. Pick a stop sign. Either either send out half as many codes or more of a limit on the number of tickets they could buy. Somebody like I saw countless spreadsheets. People are like, okay, they sent out this many mm-hmm. codes mm-hmm. and with a maximum of six tickets. Yep. And then they're shocked when they don't have any more tickets left. And it's like no. Yeah. Yeah. They, their, their whole excuse was, well, we only expected 40% of people to use their code. And I'm like, what? Bitch, when? <laughs> you want to be in a wedding you plan 60% a minimum. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. They deserve every. I am just so living for the Tennessee uh, state attorney. And North Carolina now, And North too. Carolina yeah. probably, like, investigating them for antitrust. I'm like, let's right. burn this bitch down. I'm ready. I'm so sick of Ticketmaster. They shouldn't and have been the, able to buy Live Nation. Like, they criminal, never should have been able criminal to. criminal behavior that they do. Think I of how much mildly smoother it would have been if there was multiple companies that each had a portion of tickets to sell. Like, There's that, yep. Or you could have allocated to people who have codes. You do the things that I said before, but then you also limit them to this is the time that you can get in the waiting room. Right, exactly. And then if you're out of luck, you're out of luck. And, and like, also somehow like Comic Con is a high demand. It's 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 intense and crazy, but, but it, it yeah. runs better than that. Oh, oh they totally. Have, so much better. They have no excuse operating like this is fucking 1992 and God, it isn't 2022. Know. Like, they're, the technology exists. This should have never Well, happened. and for the service fees that they charge, they yes. have enough money to make sure the infrastructure is there so that their website doesn't You guys, crash. they have an underground <laughs> illegal business under this where they oh, work yeah. with scalpers. Oh yeah, they yes. never had any intention of these great of good seats getting into the fans' hands. There was never that was never going to happen. So a lot of this, all this, oh well, you know, Taylor's fans, you know, we hit a ma- It's all bullshit. My favorite they, was when they tried to blame her for not touring the last few years. I'm like, uh, hello. I mean, Correct. I wish she wouldn't <laughs> have done dynamic pricing, but on she the didn't. Flip, she didn't. No, it was been confirmed and Ticketmaster had to say, yeah, she didn't. Because every ticket was within the ranges that was published before. Yep. So, yeah, I am so ready for them to get taken down and just, they they have a monopoly on this and it's illegal. It's just, it's flat out illegal. And apparently... Was it Pearl Jam? Pearl Jam or somebody tried, tried to, take, to in the 90s. Tried to yeah. take him down in the 90s and nobody was listening. But they told us it's it's bad. And we were like, it's fine. It's just $25 worth of fees. No, no. They're out of control. They're out of control. I just feel horrifically bad for fans like who are totally devastated that they did not get a ticket. I'm just like, yeah, it sucks. But on the flip side, maybe she'll make another like Reputation ended up on Netflix. I think she had 
some of 19. Well, I think at this point she kind of has to. Yeah, you know? I mean, she's going to film it and she'll put it up there. Well, think of how how easy it would be to like do a streaming thing like, you know how like they had on Disney Plus where you play yeah. extra. Yeah. Or or like, like do it in the theaters. You know how you can go to a movie theater and watch something, you know, like do it that way. You yeah. can make a bunch of bank doing that. I mean, I look at what Lin Manuela did when Hamilton went with Hamilton, and everybody was able to enjoy Broadway because he was like, you know what? Let's open it up to the masses. So there's there's things she can do, but and also yeah. Disney Plus paid him seventy million dollars for it. So right. So I'm just kind of like, <laughs> like I'm not opposed to Taylor making a couple bucks, but um, it, it does suck that a lot of fans just. Because it's, it's not a fair system. That's the thing. Fans no. felt going in, if you had, I don't think anybody was annoyed at anybody who got a code. Like, okay, I gave it my sh- best shot. I got, I tried to get verified. Tried to get tried a code, to- didn't get a code. That blows. Everybody kind of had hope that, you know, maybe there'll be something left when, you know, the the public sale goes. But it was rigged from the start. And I really have never been part of a process that was more rigged than this. It was an absolute fucking Well, you know disaster. what? Somebody somebody pointed out somewhere, you know, all the people that got very, there's a lot of people that got verified codes, that had boosts, that had all this stuff, and they had a hell of a time getting tickets, and a lot of people that did get tickets were like spouses of fans. Yes! Who had unaffiliated email addresses and everything else. Because that's who, that was what happened to me. That's how you got it. Oh, my sister, I think this, I think Taylor Swift, um, Midnight's is the first Taylor Swift uh, album she's ever listened to. She just like randomly was like, oh, I want to come too. Me and my other sister were like, girl, you got to get your game face on. Like, this is like not a joke. She was very like, oh, you know, yeah, maybe we aim for tickets and $200. And I was like. Listen, that's cute. I'm like, you're adorable. (laughs) And then she was like, oh, well, maybe we'll, you know, we'll try to keep it in this range. And my sister, Katie, the doctor was like, I'm going to spend anything it takes (laughs) to get to this. That was me. By the time the Capital One resale happened, I was like, whatever I'm able to get my hands on, that's what I'm getting. Yeah. She was like, you are not standing in my way. I will. So I had to tell her. I was like, listen, tickets are going to be between 400 to to $1,000 a pop. Like, think about your life choices. Make sure you, don't, you want in because this is what it is, you know? And it's a privilege in order to even say that, to even be oh, in. I, mean, such a I understand that. Yeah. So I totally get why fans are. I'm just thinking if they. And crushed. If Ticketmaster screws up again for the Renaissance tour, if, if the Swifties and the Beehive combine their powers, oh my god, they'll take I mean, them out. I they'll take them out. I mean, something needs to change. The good thing is, we'll have to flee to a non-extradition artist, <laughs> Right? If there's one singular artist who can take on Ticketmaster and win, it's Taylor Swift. And I think from her standpoint, this is a real PR problem. It's not her fault, but it doesn't look good. You know what I mean? And I loved her statement. So I think, yeah, it was good she released it. I was a little, it was a little tone deaf to be like, hey, while people are, you know, licking their wounds from this horrific 
Ticketmaster, she was like, oh, you know, she released like another version for them. Well, here's the thing. I think that release of that version, those things were already scheduled ahead of time. And yeah, it's but not she was like on her Instagram promoting it. So no, no, I mean I know that, something. but I mean I think it was already scheduled to come out that day. Yeah, that's and fine, it would have but... been great to just like, I oh mean, no, we're we'll we'll hold it. But I think it was there was time. I don't think they released it because there was a hubbub. No, I, think I don't think they did just... either. But I think it. I think she should have said something that day. And well, I think there was probably. Huh? Exactly. I think there was time talking with legal to see yeah, what they, can they I couldn't. Do. She couldn't say anything until she. I also didn't love that it was talked to her legal. I don't really get how Instagram works, but it like I don't. I really. don't really get it. So there was like a clicky on an icon, and then it like disappeared. I was like, oh. So I didn't actually get to read much of it. <laughs> oh, I I can send it to you. It was really good. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I I get. I, I understand why people could be kind of upset with her too, is all I'm saying. I understand. Oh, no, 100%. But so I mean, I just. I think if you're looking for some place to lay a lot of the blame. Oh, it's it, It's not on like, her There is a definitive villain in this story. I think, I think Taylor's response after the villainly, villainy behavior could have been better, but that doesn't mean that it's entirely that. Ticketmaster. This is Ticketmaster's business model, which she has it doesn't no mean control over. Shred your pictures of her, right? And, yeah. Exactly. And like you has, know what? The fact that and she they didn't, told her, they told her that they could handle this. Yes, the fact that she didn't name them in her statement tells me that it's a legal thing, and yeah, that's probably so. why it took a couple days. I'm, I'm, I am, I am. I think people get too focused hopeful. on. In this internet day and age where everything is immediate, that they expect every reaction to come immediately. The minute they think, I need this person mm, to I don't say agree something, with that. they I, have I think to it... say something. They don't give them a few days. You know, 20 years ago, it was everybody was fine with somebody having a couple days to come up with a statement. But nowadays, it's like, if you don't have it within the first 24 hours, well, then there's something. Also, wrong. that this is a business, so this there are contracts in place. Cro- there yeah. are this contracts. Exactly. PR crisis, though. So I, I understand you disagree, but I'm just saying, I understand why people were upset that she didn't say anything for, for a day or two. Yeah, but I also think those was... people need to be realistic and understand this is a business thing. This isn't just person-to-person beef. This is, there's a lot of money and contracts involved here. Right. Basically, yeah, it's Taylor Swift LLC, essentially. Exactly. It's not just Taylor Swift the woman. But anyway, Arrow. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about that. We're just trying to get through season one as quickly as we can. So it's it's hard because they really didn't find their feet yet. Yeah, it's just not there. <laughs> It'll be better once we get to uh, one fourteen when Felicity we're almost there. Like, yeah, we're get we're knocking on the door. We're getting there. So this is 109, which is the 1A finale. We got ourselves some Christmas. And 110, which is the first episode back. And I always feel the first episode back from hiatus is always a little rough. It is. Why is that? It's the passage of time. It's, it's It's hard from a writing standpoint because you have to move the story. But um it 
it's there's actually been a, a significant chunk of time the viewers haven't watched the show but it most typically i think comes during the aftermath of whatever cliffhanger so you kind of need to like get a wrap up the cliffhanger but then you got to move the story down the down the road for the second half so it's just i think it's i think it's always tricky timing wise yeah that's true so and arrow has never been particularly strong in the episode post mid-season you know, sometimes i feel like the fact that they they just like they they landed on early on like the first season that they were going to have everything happen in like quote unquote real time, mm-hmm. and so that when you'd come back from mid season finale, it would have been six weeks or whatever. Like there were times where I liked that, but there are other times where I'm like, man, you lose a lot of momentum on stories by having yeah. that six week wait. Mm-hmm. I think I think too when they do, you know, I think there's a lot of it is the emotional processing that we want to see from the characters gets a little. Not a little rush glazed over. Yeah. Um, season four is in particular of that. I one. was at literally mm-hmm. thinking of season four. Exactly. They're like, wow, we really missed some important steps here. <laughs> like, mm. I mean, it, it kind of works season one because I don't think. I, I think it wasn't so much a cliffhanger. No. no, it wasn't. But also like the emotional growth and discussion that we want from Oliver. We are just never going to get it. This is also it's very just not a possibility. <laughs> it's not on so his radar. He's a, he's a pine tree of epic proportions. So you're just trying to like mitigate the pine tree-ness. Yeah. Totally. Totally. So you get like... God bless him. Oliver just wants Christmas back, you know? <laughs> I like that he was so joyful. He really, I mean, I can't blame him. He was really he had, giving like, it his all, you know? Yeah. Like, let's do Christmas. Let's do it big. Because my last five years have sucked and there's been no Christmas. <laughs> I've always kind of held it against, like, his friends and family that they weren't like, yes, let's make this a great Christmas for Oliver because yeah. poor guy hasn't had it for five years. Again, it was one of those situations where it's like, He's trying really hard, and they're all kind of assholes to him. Oh, and, a little bit. <laughs> and it's like, well, you weren't around, and we stopped celebrating Christmas. Well, oh, sorry, my-, my boat capsized, and I ended up on a freaking <laughs> island. I wonder how that happened, Mom. Believe <laughs> me, I would have loved to help pick out the big-ass tree in the freaking mansion instead. So I'm sorry, Thea. I totally was staying away on purpose. Well, he was. But, I mean, at this point, we didn't know. I mean, that's not the point. That's not the point. <laughs> Let's not get into detail. <laughs> if it doesn't work out for Oliver when we do that, then it's like, oh, no, it well, doesn't. wrong. So I don't like to do that. I like to skew the facts the way yes. it fits my argument. So yeah. <laughs> that's how I roll. Listen, it's season one. You don't know nothing yet. We don't know anything. I say at least the first the three woods. years of flashbacks, like, right. you couldn't have gone back. With Laurel Lance is this guy's great love. You have no knowledge no. of anything. <laughs> no. You're walking around in the fucking dark. And the oh, God bless. A very it's bleak. Way of- I yeah I like that they finally get that like listen I Arrow season one brought up some Buffy issues with me because like okay like the Buffy thing listen all writers 
love Buffy. And they all were like, oh, this monster of the week thing is a really good idea. And this, oh, season long big bad. Let's do that. And I'm like, you know, yeah. Maybe not. (laughs) But it was kind of annoying a a lot of times. I was never that interested in the monster of the week. I wanted them to move on on the big bad about double the pace they ever moved on it. And it's the same problem with Arrow. I'm like, I'm really not super invested in any of these villains week to week. And I'm having a little bit of trying to get on board with whatever the big overarching, like, what are we doing here? We're in, well, this is episode nine. Like what? But this what is, is first glimpse of Big Bad in episode nine. That's yes. True. Yes. But episode 10 was just total villain of the week nonsense. Yeah. And yeah, again, and when you, when, it's a hard, again, it's like, you feel like they're pushing the pedal down on Big Bad, but then it's like, it's a hard stop in 10. So you're like, oh, so we're not gonna address it? Okay, cool. <laughs> just back to just hanging out. So I well, think- basically the big, two big things in nine, and then we'll, we can just move on. Of A, we do get a nice Oliver and Felicity scene. Amen. Thank goodness. Of mm-hmm. uh, one thing I noticed on the rewatch is I was cackling over in Oliver's bad excuse of like, so like my friend, my friend Steve, and also I laughed that it was Steve, um, is doing <laughs> is like gotten into archery. Can you like I want to find out where he got this like special arrow type thing? And apparently archery's the like the rage these days and Felicity says I don't know why it looks ridiculous and he's like like, hey his affront his offense (laughs) of like you don't think I'm cool yeah Steve really did a great job with that Mm -hmm. and like yeah (laughs) so funny a little insecure there yeah a little insecure there honey I want you to think I'm badass. <laughs> I want you to be impressed. Like all the other women are impressed. Are just really fawning and get, like uh, panting. Oliver really doesn't get an opportunity to laugh out loud funny for a good chunk of the show. But uh, that that was one scene where I just roared at Steve's reaction. Like it was good He timing. always was his best opposite her. He was. Yeah. And especially in season one, it's so fresh. It's new. Yes. There's just a different energy. It just, it's just like sparks, sparks, sparks. And then she goes away and you're like, like, what? Why is she on the show? I'm, why is Laurel here? You know, that's literally how I felt every time. It's a problem. Legitimate. You know, as a real. And also, I laugh that I literally couldn't help myself that. I like said it along of like Felicity, you're remarkable, and thank you for remarking on it. Like I said it as it was being said. I'm like, oh my gosh, the show is seared into our brains. But like, also, I what really particularly struck me in that scene is the way so much of Oliver and Felicity, especially in the beginning is what's not said and the way Steven and Emily play those those quieter moments and I don't know Steve is transfixed when he looks at Emily it's like crazy when Oliver is looking at and she's just looking at the computer and he studies her for a moment like she's curious like it's almost like he's like 
curious about her and like what's well, she and his eyes are soft yeah and they're so soft and he's just kind of like hey you're cute and like the soft hey starts now and I noticed it because there's the Oliver tones as I've discussed before and he uses that soft tone with his mother and uh, Thea but he really uses it a lot with Felicity yes so anyways, I just love that scene. It's just It's a great scene. It's just And what's so crazy is like it's such a tiny little scene, but they make it into they always kind of make it into something more where you're like this could have very easily you could with my that was my argument to always with people who didn't like Felicity, oh she's just the IT girl, she's just the comedy. You can play it that way very easily. And Stephen and Emily never played it that way. Never did. So there was always this this depth to scenes that shouldn't really need depth, but they they would find it. So and I, that doesn't keep happening over the course of the show, guys, unless someone from on high is being like, "Yeah, keep doing what you're doing. That's great. We're going this direction," you know? Right. So they have to have the opportunity. Exactly. Exactly. Although I did really like the scene. This was a really fun, funny episode of Oliver. Because then he runs into the dude when Thea's making out with him. Oh, God. Yes. Where he points at him. Hit the road. And, I, and you're like, will he kill an innocent person? Let's find out. You know? like <laughs> Menacing older brother trope activated. Is it, is it only villains he'll kill? How far does the kill vow go? You know what I mean? Like I was like, that guy just faced death. <laughs> and lived. <laughs> and Steve played it so great. I really, I do not feel Stephen Amell got enough credit for his acting ability in season one. I really don't think he did. I think no, he like, didn't. Oh, he's so wooden. I'm like that's the point. <laughs> he was he's a shell of a human being. He, yes, right. He's traumatized, but like also <laughs> hilarious. At the same time, quite often. And people just didn't appreciate it. I did. I know, I did too. I, <laughs> I just, here's my thing. Oliver's my favorite character, so I have, like, really bad bias to him. And I'm just like, <laughs> everything he does fair. just cracks me up. And I, I just, I would rewatch Stephen reading, his reading of lines I was kind of obsessed about. Yeah. And it, also, the fact that um, in the Olicity scene... Like, it's a good sign for the future is the f- that they give her the little detail that she's Jewish. Yes! It's like, it's yes. a personal detail. Personal I detail! Loved that. Right? I loved that. And that's what friends would know about each other. And that's what they're becoming. Friends. And maybe more. And it gave us so much fic fodder. <laughs> uh, yes. This is what I was, this is like. We lived on so little, you know? Oh, my gosh. Just tiny little this details. fandom thrives in, you know, the shadows and just a little bit of light. It's why Like, the season one simple. and two, the fan fictions people wrote, like, they wove, like, <laughs> intricate tapestries of Felicity's <laughs> personal history. And it was amazing. I was like, what was it? A, a two-minute scene? Yes. Yeah. You're like, well, I now we know it. she's Jewish. We're rolling with that. Yeah. We have something. Yes. 
<laughs> well, and again, like that fans were so desperate for it too. Yes. Means that the show really had a deficiency. Because like your fan, your I think I think yeah. Once two thirteen rolls around, we were just like floored of like this is so much. Like this is the most we've heard about her the entire mm-hmm. series. Mm-hmm. I always kind of feel like fanfic isn't related to that. Like if you're getting what you need from the show, I think especially from what's supposed to be the focus couple. Well, and the, yeah, I I don't understand why Laurel fans acted so surprised. Like the fact that. Arrow only really hit its stride once it introduced more Felicity Smoke. Uh-huh. Like, they wouldn't, that wouldn't happen if Laurel was carrying her weight in the mm-hmm. emotional side of the mm-hmm. storyline. Yep, yep. Like, we know about her. She's just not doing anything for us. No. Right, right. Well, and again, like, this episode. I think it's nine. Is it nine? I'm trying to decide. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's nine. nine. Nine is my max out love triangle with Merlance and Lorver. To me, this was the high point of Merlance. And this was the perfect opportunity for Oliver and Laurel to say, we're done. Yes. That, that's what they say to each other. They didn't mean it. Well, <laughs> Yeah, neither one of them have any intention of actually following through on anything that they say ever to one another, but that's another detail that still, whatever. Anyways, so I just, it drives me crazy that they pick this back up again because they really, in some way, Laurel has a moment of growth. It's a miracle. I don't always understand how it occurs with her because there's no, like, plot point really to, like, shiver down the road it's a crapshoot yes but like she's like you know what i'm just kind of like i've been treading water and for whatever reason this tommy guy he is kind of sparking things for me again you know though it jives with what we've been saying though that they keep going back and forth with laurel she's hot and she's Mm -hmm. cold she likes Mm -hmm. him one day she hates Mm -hmm. him the next and it's like, just yet feel... another instance of her just changing her story again and then changing it back. Yeah, she's you know. changing it back. Again, it's like, this was, this is like, okay, this is, this is the moment, you guys. This is the moment where you're like, hi, we need to be done with this toxicity. And I put just as much blame on Oliver as I did Laurel. Because he's like, oh yeah, you're my best friend. and Either be done or say... I'm no, not cool with I'm this. I'm in love with you. But see, he doesn't have a he doesn't have a leg to stand on no, he with doesn't. her. So even though Oliver wants to be like, no, I'm really not okay with this, which is exactly what it is. Um, he knows he can't say it. What dry Laurel, who could say it, is also not saying it. And I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate the scene where he kisses her on the cheek. And yes. he says, oh, I'm so happy for both of you. And the look on her face. And she's just so disappointed that he didn't throw a little bitch fit. In the Christmas like, game, the Christmas what party. kind of manipulative little witch are you, Laurel? Like, oh, he's letting me go. He's not fighting for me, even though that's what I've told him to do for eight. Like, what episodes, are you doing with Tommy, Laurel? And then what are you doing with Tommy? If that's the look on your face, what are you doing with Tommy? Then it just starts to feel like she's just like treading she's water just with Tommy. And she's like, just using him. Yeah, it does start to feel like she's using Tommy as a weapon to hurt Oliver 
I when you have that. such a cute moment with Tommy earlier. I know, and, and he's like the actual. He gives the like, picture, and it's oh such a sweet God. thing. Like, listen, because like Lance are- is like, what are you doing with him? Like, first of all, yes. now this, like, what is going on? Like, he he's a like a playboy moron too and but then she opens it and it's a picture of laurel sarah and and lance together which is such a sweet gesture where then lance is like well crap i i he's not with that like okay but what i love about that moment is okay there's stuff because again i feel like tommy's character again is given the glass over in really unfortunate ways and um, they kind of use this moment to show, oh, he's such a good boyfriend to Laurel. But to me, it's much deeper than that for Tommy because, you know, the holidays are really hard for people. It's not, it's not always a happy time. And for and Laurel, he's had such a with a family. dead mom yeah, and Malcolm with, Merlin as your dad. Exactly. Like, and his mom is dead and he lost his mom. So if there's anybody who's going to understand that the holidays are kind of rough, Uh, And that Laurel is probably really missing her sister. She's probably really missing the way her family used to be. I mean, and that she's really not in the mood to be celebrating Christmas and that he understands that and he doesn't pressure her. It's because he feels the same way about the holidays. And that's not really touched on, but that's what's going on. And he shows such a a kindness and Mm. grace to her where it's like clearly... Then this is what drives me nuts. Clearly, he's the better man. Clearly, clearly, clearly. like obviously, obviously the better man. And don't get me wrong, I love me some Oliver Queen, but the fact that he just walks around in leather pants and shoots bad guys does not automatically mean he's he's the d- most deserving. That he's really the hero. In fact, there's a lot of times where you can make the argument Oliver is not the hero. Yeah. Well, so, and he's also the hero aside. Who's the better romantic partner? Exactly. Who's putting Laurel first? Who really cares about who's being honest with Laurel? Who's being emotionally available? Yes. Yeah. And I just, I hate it. I hate it when women do this. When there yes. is clearly a great guy and you're going back to your toxic, abusive, really awful relationship when you have a really great one right in front of you. And I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is in Laurel that makes her do that. I don't know. I don't and know. And you know what? If, if she doesn't love Tommy, that's fine. You know, right. that's valid. But let him go. Right. Then, then like, can we stop with the... With, Some people with the have charade? a bad picker. Yeah. Like, can we just not... <laughs> bad picker. <laughs> It's just every it season just, of The Bachelorette ever. Right. It's, it just frustrates oh me to absolutely no end because he is clearly the clearly. right person for her. Yeah. Like he's it, Laurel. He's the guy. You found him. He is the one, which I firmly believe Arrow has reinforced through the years that, you know, Laurel Lance's love, great love, was Tommy. We yes. will discuss. At later dates, retcons that enrage me. (laughs) That will not be this episode. But oh, it's coming. (laughs) Just buckle up, guys. But that's also why I loved those um, fanfics where they put Felicity and Tommy together at the end of season one. Because, like, Laurel's being shitty to Tommy. Oliver's unavailable to felicity so there's tommy and felicity and i'm like yeah. yes 
that filled a need I had because Tommy was not getting what I felt he deserved at all in season one. Oliver Either as really relationship or friendship. Off. Like Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Again, Oliver is the king of the dangling maybes, and I don't oh, feel God, like yes. he... He, di- he, he didn't start that behavior with Felicity. He pulled the same shit with Laurel all the time. Oh, too. yeah. That was like his so, signature move. I, you know, when but Laurel comes, put up with it. And yeah. And it's, it's kind of like, I don't know, like, it's like she's on a leash. And, you know, every once in a while, you know, she's, she's wandering around the park of her own free will. And then every once in a while, Oliver, like, jerks the chain. You know what I mean? And she's like, what? And then she's, like, coming right back to him, you know? And I just find that to be, I find that behavior on both of their parts just to be so ridiculously toxic because Laurel. It's repulsive. Yeah. Laurel is fully capable of recognizing good relationships versus bad. But I think (laughs) maybe I'm giving her too much credit at this point. Yeah, I think maybe. I I feel this is the part in the show. I mean, I remember when I watched this live where I was just like, I really feel like they're trying to cram down my throat that Laurel and Oliver are meant to be together, that they are the, each other's soulmates and we should be sad. They are telling like, me, but I'm not buying it. Yeah. That we should be sad that, Oh, they're not together. And that Tommy's the wrong guy for her. And I'm like, literally everything else in the, on the script is telling me the direct the opposite. opposite of that. Like what? Cause you people read what you write every once in a while. It might do you some good. Seriously. Like, I wonder if they were, I, I just, were they watching the show when it airs live? Do they understand how things come off? And I don't know. I feel like we forgot. So, whatever. Anyways, let's talk about them over. The other, like, the one other big thing about this episode, ending out this first arc, is up to this point, Oliver has been extremely competent. And this is the first time we watch him get his ass kicked. Like, mm-hmm. I mean... Beat down. Dark Archer just wrecks him. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, in order for the show to have any stakes, like Oliver needs to be challenged. But like, it is an oh shit moment of like, oh, there's there's another dude out there. There's and, another like, player, and he's better than me. And that's a big part carrying over into one ten is mm-hmm. Oliver's just freaking out of like, I'm not how the best. do I how do I continue to do this with someone else better just that's out there that I can't track down and yeah so do I even want to go back out there and like like show a little commitment dude and Diggle's just like what gives dude like like, get off your ass let's go no I, I agree with that I think season one two and three do an excellent job of giving us bad guys who are legitimate threats the other seasons not so much four was rough six was rough so four then we have to bring in literal magic yeah it was like right off the cliff right off the cliff so but i've never felt that the dark archer was the most prometheus is on on level but yeah after there six through eight is trash yeah like i'm glad that they tried to hold some beats a little bit. Like, you know how they're always like, well, you know, we always, if we had a great story idea, we played it. It's like, no, there were better villains, I feel, later on. So I'm, I'm kind of glad that they held off because, you know, you need to ump the stakes as the show 
grows. But the Dark Archer is a good starter. First starter big bad. And now Oliver is aware of this big bad and he has no idea how to stop him because he just had his ass thoroughly trounced. <laughs> Which, you know, every once in a while it's really satisfying to watch Oliver get the crap kicked Oh my though, gosh, it's wonderful. so insufferable. <laughs> like, the only time I could think of where he got beat and it was hard for me to watch was in season three. The climb. That episode. That was traumatizing. That hurt Traumatizing. Me. In fact, I would make an argument that the first half of season three was pretty freaking traumatizing all the way around. I was like hysterical every episode. And Nick was like, are you okay? Are you going to like make it? No. No, okay. I'm not. I got to go write my dissertation now for three days. I just what it is, guys. That's you expect me to sleep life. after this? Yeah, it was like, yeah. Well, you know, he said to me, because I was like, you know, I did mention, like, this is so strange that I was able to function as a human being. And he said, like... <laughs> you yeah, weren't so functioning he was, as a human yeah, being? Yeah, he was like, He's like, you weren't. You weren't functioning at all the next day. I'm like, that's fair. Um, he was just like, you know, you would get, was like, you'd get Lauren off to school, and then you do some work, and then you take a nap. And like, that sounds accurate. But he was like, if, if he said, if there was any way I could have gotten you to go to bed, I would have gotten you to go to bed, but he recognized, like, I'm just going to lay there thinking about this shit. So I'm just going to stay up and just there. think about it. So purge it, at least then it's out of my system and I can sleep the next night. Yeah. That's how he made his peace with the insanity Sacrifice that was one night for five years. <laughs> insane. I'm a crazy, crazy guy. Okay, is that nine? We're done with nine? Are we moving on to ten? Yeah, we're moving on to ten. Woohoo! Well, everyone knows that I love ten. No. Well, I mean, you love the, the 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 quote. Yeah, I love the Diggles. I don't love episode ten. Episode ten is not great, but the Diggle <laughs> speech. The Diggle speech is next level. Is the greatest Diggle speech of all speeches ever made, which is why I name a blog after it. So basically, Oliver is having a little freak out. I got my ass kicked. What's crazier though is it bothers him. Like, it bothers yes. him that he he's got not ready to just die. Yeah. Like, there's, he's kind of, Oliver season one is very fatalistic. And he's like, I'm going to die. It's going to happen. And that's just the way it is. Which, okay, yeah, we all die someday. But he's very much in the frame of mind. Like, I'm not I feel 35. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, and I also feel like he has this goal. He's going to complete the book. He's going to fix the city. And then he he's going to die. He will die in that process of doing that. And hopefully in the meantime, he can mend some fences so people are actually sad at his funeral. Correct. Like, I really feel like that's the motivation. Like, he's trying to clean up his mess. Which just makes it. me mad all over again that yes. they quote-unquote killed him. Exactly. It's just makes it's so me... So stupid. All right. Yeah, we're just... I mean, they didn't, but they did. So... <laughs> No, I'm not going down that road again. I can't do it again. No. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> but it's not true. So Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyways, Deagle gives him the greatest speech of all time. And it's just, just like, Tell us about it. It's, he says, you know, the fact that Oliver had fear, that he feared death, was a good thing. That means his humanity is starting to spark and wake back up. And Olive, and Diggle tells him, you can stare down death with something to live for or not. Something to live for is better. 
So in the pilot, Robert tells Oliver to survive. Diggle's argument has always been, you need to live. You need to learn how to live again. And very gradually, Oliver is learning how to do that. And Diggle is saying, this is a good thing. This is growth. This is healing. You yes. are moving forward. Yes. You, are, you do not want to just die. You have things to lose. And that's good. That's going to make you a better fighter. It's the fatalism is not going to make you what is not going to make you invincible. He's like, cause you're not invincible, but it will make you, if you're fighting for things that are important to you, the people that you love, then that is actually going to, you know, make you more unbeatable. And Diggle understands this cause Diggle's been to war. Yes. And Diggle had to walk that road and Dick had to figure out while he, while he was at war, what am I really fighting for? And you can ask any soldier. Most of the time they say, I'm fighting for the guy next to me. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't even have any, it doesn't have anything to do with politics or the president or who ordered what, or it's, I am fighting for the guy next to me. Mm-hmm. So that's what Diggle's telling him. Like Thea, Moira, Tommy, Laurel, Felicity. You know, they all matter. <laughs> hint, hint. And the more he gives into that feeling, the more he allows them inside, instead of keeping everybody at arm's length, the better he's going to be as the hood, which is not a connection Oliver is ready to make yet in any way, shape, or form. Like, listen, this whole hood versus human, like, it's a trial. Dig's speech to Oliver just went in one ear and right out the other. It does. But like they're telling what I love about Arrow is like they're not subtle. So they're giving you basically like the thesis for the show. Correct. Like, this is what we're doing. This is what the show is. Which again just makes the finale even worse, but whatever. Yeah. But <laughs> in the meantime, because we don't know what pain is ahead for us. It's a really great thesis statement. It's a great thesis statement. Yeah. And so I took it and ran with it and made a blog out of it. So I love it. Because I loved it that much. It's some good stuff. Otherwise, it's kind of a meh episode with the fire and all that. Yeah, Yeah, there's more Tommy and Laurel bullshit. Which we've already litigated to death at yeah. this point. So now after he gives her a perfectly nice ornament, then he crosses the line by asking for a fucking drawer. How dare he? How dare he? I'm like, you know, sometimes I just, I don't know. I would give him a whole dresser. Just give him the, give him the apartment, you bitch. Like, it's funny where I'm at. Like, in the... Like Which all one I like better? Keys. Not Why even... can't you give him keys? Come right. On. The man needs a place to stay. <laughs> he has been cut off. Right. <laughs> he is homeless. <laughs> and then to com- compact it into even more ick zone, she goes to Oliver. <laughs> Gross. It is. 19 different kinds of icky and I needed to take a shower after watching that scene. It was not great. And remember when he's like, oh, we're just, Laurel's like, oh, you know, we're, we're so similar. We just, we we don't take things slow. We just close our eyes and jump. Oh, gross. That's not what you do. Oh, 
Also, not even close. I'm like, Oliver is incredibly tactical. Like, there. He's a strategist. He's a yeah. strategist. He's incredibly measured. He thinks 12 steps ahead of everybody. Maybe so before whole... the island, Laurel, but yeah. now he's a different dude. This shit, Ali jumps before he looked. And we look all saw that how well that turned But out. survival mode, <laughs> Oliver, he's able to look and see the exact like height that it's going to be and can figure out how do I jump where I don't die. And yeah. It just, it drove me nuts. And every time I watch it, I get irritated by it. I I think in my review, I think I tried to like um, try to take a pragmatic approach where I tried to view it through Laurel's point of view. I think I get somewhere. I don't remember where I got, but upon my rewatch, I was like, no, no. it bugs me. It's just it's gonna be a no. It's just a no. Anytime she says she like okay, listen, I I know Oliver the best of everybody. Right. Anytime no. she says that, I'm like, bitch, no. Like, okay, I can say that Oliver and Laurel have similarities because when I when we say it, it's typically in a negative context. Exactly. When Laurel says it on the show, it's not based in any fact, and she's trying to make it into like a positive thing that they have this. She's connection. trying to make it a romantic thing and romantic, and I will not allow it. I will not allow it. Like. The ways in which they're similar, Judge Ted will said, not allow it. Not Thanks, Gavel. But do I think the two of them are similar in character makeup in a lot of ways? Yes, which is why they don't work. Like, I, two like, wrongs don't make a right. Like, I understand why in the beginning they're like, oh, this is going to be an orange origin story of the Green Arrow and Black Canary, and we're going to do five years, and they're going to hate each other in the beginning, but they'll end up being you know soulmates and fighting crime you like it all sounds great in theory <laughs> but when he in the google doc practice in the show it was a disaster so they're still trying to force this soulmate bullshit down my throat and i'm just like i'm just i'm just i'm just no it's a no ladies is it okay if i deck out a little early for my no dinner? you can't eat that's another thing that we allow no. well family. and this no. is basically all we got going yeah on this though. is it that's pretty much that's one there wasn't even any, was there any felicity i can't remember no i don't recall any there's no felicity so that's all we have basically to walter's on the phone with felicity right before yes, he gets kidnapped he reassured yeah, yeah yeah okay but we're getting there because we're approaching. We're approaching. We're approaching. It's getting close. We're approaching. Yeah. And then we're gonna slow down, guys, because we Felicity episodes require greater Absolutely. detail. Absolutely. It's just so, so the the two a week that's gonna stop. Also yes. because I can't keep. Basically, up we got up. eleven, twelve, and thirteen to power through before we get to Felicity time. We get to fourteen. So maybe next week just do eleven and twelve, but spending most of the time on twelve. Yep. Yeah. And then we do 13, 14. Yeah. We'll get there in a week or two. Yep. Okay. Sounds good. All right. We'll talk Boom. soon. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week. Be sure to listen next week. Subscribe to Watch Over on iTunes. Or Google Play. And look us up on Twitter and Tumblr. Bye. Bye.